Okay, we're going to read a few verses. Uh, Mark chapter 2, reading from verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So we're relatively early on in this series through Mark's gospel, and in the early stages, therefore, of Jesus' uh, ministry on earth, as uh, Mark uh, records it. And we've seen before now that uh, teaching is a high priority for Jesus, but he doesn't just stay rooted to one spot uh, in Capernaum, which seemed to be his kind of base or his home, at least for the time being. Um, but he's ministering in different parts of Galilee. And so having been in Capernaum in the previous little uh, episode, at the beginning of chapter 2, he's now out again beside uh, the lake. And we're seeing throughout these early chapters that Jesus teaches and models a very different message to the teachers of the law that Jewish people of the day were used to hearing from. Uh, Jesus has been healing, Jesus has been uh, forgiving, Jesus has been uh, restoring, Jesus has been releasing people from uh, oppression of evil spirits. And now, kind of in chapter 2, there's a, a mounting tension uh, developing. We saw it last time as Jesus was teaching in a house, and there were some teachers of the law present. And those teachers of the law didn't say anything. Uh, but Jesus could still see or perceive what they were thinking to themselves. Who does he think he is to be teaching in this way? No one can forgive sins apart from God alone. This is blasphemy. This is outrageous. And Jesus kind of answers uh, their kind of unsaid questions. But it's just the, the beginning. It's the, the hint that everyone doesn't feel remarkably positive about Jesus. And now that... Tension is, is kind of increasingly coming to the surface. Um, many people are thrilled to spend time with Jesus hearing him. Um, but the teachers of the law in particular, and for the first time here we hear about the Pharisees, they are anything but happy about Jesus' message. So there's this clash developing between Jesus and the Pharisees. Um, between what Jesus is teaching of grace and what those teachers understand um, about the law. And so we're going to look at the grace of God as taught, but it's also modelled by Jesus. It wasn't just a case of what Jesus said, there was a case of what Jesus did, which backs up what he was teaching. So we're going to look at just how amazing the grace of God is. We're going to look at that as we run through just these few verses. We're going to th see three things that the grace of God does, um, as demonstrated, as taught by Jesus will focus on Levi, will focus on the disciples, and will focus on the Pharisees as we do so. And firstly, we're going to see that 
The grace of God in Jesus Christ, number one, saves sinners, redeems the outcast. We see that in the life of Levi. So we've got the scene. Jesus is teaching beside the lake. And uh, there are many who are gathered there. And Levi is within earshot, perhaps. And he has a very Jewish name. Levi was one of the sons of Jacob. Hence, there was a whole tribe known as the Levites, uh, serving God uh, in the temple and as a priesthood. But uh, So it's a very Jewish name. But this man is... An outcast. You might remember some weeks ago we looked at the, the account of Jesus healing the leper. And the leper, because of his skin complaint, because of his skin disease, was an outcast. He lived in lonely places. Uh, Levi, like the leper, is an outcast. But unlike the leper, this guy is not just a victim of circumstance, of things that have happened to him. At some point, Levi has made a decision himself to turn away from God, perhaps to turn away even from his family, and to turn away from the community, um, and to turn towards uh, a very different lifestyle. Because he decided to become a tax collector. That meant that he was really, for many, a hated figure. You think, well, again, for us, that might sound a little bit strange. Um, do we have anyone here who works for the Inland Revenue? You're fine. If you want to put your hand up, that's okay. You're very, very welcome. Because for us, uh, the concept of tax collecting uh, perhaps doesn't kind of have the same uh, angst that it did for uh, the Jewish community back then. But this is more like, at the time, if they did careers advice, no one would have come back from an appointment with a careers advisor going, I'm going to be a tax collector. It would be like coming back home saying, Mum, Dad, today was a day. I had the interview. We did this little test to start with. Has anyone ever done that? They kind of, you might have an interview with a careers advisor, but you might kind of do some test. It's trying to kind of put you into a profile. Uh, look at your skills. Look at the subjects that you're interested most in. And you kind of, you, you go through a whole variety of exercises and answer a whole lot of questions and out churns the results. You know, here's the career for you. Um, I remember doing that in class and uh, just being really surprised. It could throw up some really unusual uh, results. There's this one guy, and he just swore blind that his results were brain surgeon. And we're like, no, really, we like you, but we just don't think that's true. Um, but this is a, this is the sort of situation where no one would come back home and say, Mum, Dad, I've done the tests, I've had the interview, and with my people skills, my ability with maths, um, uh, they've they've realised they've they've suggested that what I should pursue is being a loan shark. So the money's quite good, I've heard, and I'm sure that will satisfy your aspirations for me as well as my own desires and aspirations in life. Mum, I'm going to be a loan shark. That would be kind of more a case of the the modern equivalent, the current equivalent of being uh, a tax collector. Someone who's greedy, immoral, um, and is looking just to turn the screw on people at any opportunity, getting as much as they can fleecing people. Um, And so tax collectors were often thought of as greedy, immoral people, like I say, who turned their back on God in their pursuit of money. And so Levi would have been raising uh, taxes, collecting uh, fees for 
Herod Antipas, who was in cahoots, really, with the Roman Empire. So just totally, uh, he would have been a hated figure. There's no way back for Levi. With the choices that he's made in life, there's no hope, really, of getting welcomed back in. He's already burnt his bridges um, with respectable, God-fearing uh, people. And in any society, there are crimes and offences that provoke real anger. Things that can't easily be forgiven, certainly not forgotten. Some people can be rehabilitated, but others, you know, there'll be certain crimes, certain offences, which is just totally uh, reprehensible. And someone would have been thought of as just burning their bridges. But what happens here with Jesus? Perhaps Jesus could see that Levi was listening. As he was gathered beside uh, the lake, we find out that's where the, um, the tax collector's booth was as Jesus walked along later. So perhaps Levi is within earshot of Jesus as Jesus is teaching, or perhaps he's, he's heard him before. Um, perhaps Jesus could see faith in Levi, just as he saw the faith of the men who lowered the, the paralyzed man down through uh, the roof, as we saw uh, last week. Um, now, as Jesus is walking beside the lake, he, he therefore calls out uh, to Levi and says, come and follow me. Now, Jesus, at this point, has already been gathering a fairly quirky bunch of disciples. We've got these, uh, these fishermen, not typical candidates to follow uh, a rabbi, but now this, a tax collector, this is completely inappropriate. This is completely outrageous. But God in his grace chooses the very unlikely and perhaps also chooses sometimes the very unlikable. Jesus met Levi where he was, called him to leave his old life behind and to follow him and offered him a brand new start that the teachers of the law would never have offered, would never be in a position. Their framework, their way of uh, looking at truth and at scripture and life would have meant that, no, this guy's burnt his bridges, there's no way back. Jesus, however, reaches to him and offers him a brand new start. He responds immediately. He gets up. He follows Jesus. He leaves behind his livelihood. This is how he'd been making a living. Um, and, well, the fishermen, they could always return. If things didn't go out, didn't go that way, didn't go that well, the fishermen could always go back to the lake. They could always go back to their trade if following Jesus um, didn't work out so well. Levi, he is taking a big risk. He can't, if he's going with Jesus and he's leaving his tax collecting behind him, there's no way back to that. Uh, and what we see in this wonderful response of Levi is that, again, he... He also didn't lose any time in sharing his faith uh, with other people, as we're about uh, to see. But what that does, as we've seen here, what the grace of God is is doing in saving sinners, the, the question that it prompts is this, have you received this grace personally? Because it would be possible for Levi to have heard it and to have continued uh, unchanged, or to have heard the, the the invitation from Jesus, come and follow me, but decided not to. Perhaps having heard Jesus preach and teach, he could have given a fair decent 
description of God's grace. He could have um, pointed to the scriptures that Jesus was pointing to. He, he could have kind of sounded like he knew what he was talking about, but actually he never made the decision himself to follow. He, it's almost as if you, know, you can try and, try and describe flavors that you've not actually tasted yourself. Well, you could kind of read up in a book, perhaps, uh, exquisite recipes and ingredients and tell other people about it without having tasted it yourself. Levi could have done that. Um, but there's that call today. Don't just hear about the grace of God. Don't just become familiar with Christ and his teaching, but receive personally what he has for you. Now, this is not just a personal encounter, as we're going to see. And so we're going to see as well as the grace of God saving sinners, rescuing the outcasts, we're also going to see something else, that the grace of God brings people together. Because Jesus, this, there's kind of two situations here. There's Jesus beside the lake, teaching and telling Levi to follow. And then we get this other snapshot a little bit later of Jesus having dinner at Levi's house. He, he goes to a party. It's a banquet. It would appear to be a, a meal in Jesus' honor. And so we're seeing the grace of God brings people together. Jesus goes to this party of very, again, unusual, unlikely people. And uh, some of you might be thinking, this is great, because this can prompt a conversation. Mum, Dad, you remember that party I spoke to you about, and you said no? Well, I'm a student of the grace of God, and I've been paying attention to what we've been looking at in Mark's gospel, and Jesus spent time with dodgy people. So please, let me go to the party. And, uh, well, interesting, but let's just look a little bit closer at what was going on. And in particular, let's look at what was going on for the disciples. Jesus goes back to this meal, takes the disciples to, there were many tax collectors and sinners. Um, and it's just important to realize these weren't trendy, desirable people to spend time with. These were, well, I suppose, yes, would have been regarded as dodgy people, but they were people that the disciples wouldn't have wanted to spend time with. So it wasn't like following Jesus, yes, we get to go to the party. It's following Jesus, hang on a minute, this is unfamiliar. I'm not quite sure these are people I want to be spending time with. I'm not quite sure this is a situation in which I I would like to be. I mean, think about it from their perspective. The fishermen, James, John, Simon and Andrew, they are hard-working guys making an honest living, running a family business. That's what they had been doing um, just a few verses ago when Jesus walked beside the lake and called out to them, come and follow me. So they left their nets, they left the boats, and they went and followed Jesus. Now they could go back to that. That was a respectable way of living life and of earning a living. And uh, now they're spending time with, with Jesus, just beginning to get to know him more and, and hear him. But they can just think back, only a few days, maybe just a couple of weeks ago, their daily life was going out onto the lake and hoping to catch a decent number of fish, getting back onto the shore, mooring things up, taking their fish with them, and then they would pass by the tax collector's booth. They knew Levi, probably. And there would have been many a scenario, perhaps, where, oh, guys, not so fast. Come on over here. Show me what you've got. Um, because 
you're behind on what you owe me. Oh, just leave us alone. No, come on. Is that it? No, show me more. I need more. And so they come and they give more. These guys have been on the receiving end of Levi being an utter rascal and uh, draining their their finances, their resources. Whether it was a daily occurrence, whether it was weekly, I don't know. But there's every possibility they would have known Levi or known his colleagues. So they despise this man. They are not thinking nice thoughts about him. And so they find himself, kind of at Jesus' behest, they, they, they find themselves at Levi's house. What are we doing here? We don't want to be here. We don't want to spend time with these people. What's going on? We signed up to the kingdom of God, but we didn't realize that it would be like this. And lo and behold, we'll find out later that Levi is one of those who gets um, invited to be one of the apostles, one of the twelve disciples, this close band of brothers. They're not going to be able to avoid him very much for three years, although they might not realize that at this point. Um, so just thinking, this is this is crazy. You could imagine then, amongst Jesus' group of close disciples, sometimes a little bit of tension. And so the question goes out to the disciples, not just, have you received the grace of God personally? But now, now that you've received it, now that you've responded to Jesus' call in your life, are you living in this grace? Are you demonstrating Right. So you could kind of imagine the situation to start with as, as Jesus' mission is fairly early on. It's basically just a few, a few fishermen following him around. There might be a few others on the scene. But kind of a, a small and cozy group of mates who together have decided to follow Jesus. Now Levi is in the mix and all his mates because there were many who followed him who find themselves at this, uh, this party, tax collectors and Sinners. Often our preference is to be with people who are just like us, who have the same life experience as us. Uh, perhaps we've kind of grown up and we've been mates together and, uh, and, and there's a kind of a, a, a comfort then in our discipleship and it takes extra time and effort to get to know and appreciate and see what God is doing even in the life of other people who very much aren't the same as us. We don't know them yet. We're not even sure if we want to know them uh, because of their reputation uh, before now. And so in amongst any group of disciples, people can be thinking, well, I, I, I used to think that I fit in here. There was just me and Simon and, and Andrew and, and James and there was a closeness, there was a, an intimacy, there's a fellowship because we'd shared so much of life together already. And all we had to do was say, oh, do you remember when? And, oh yeah, we all went to the same school, or all in, interested in the same things. And now, Jesus has just gone and upset that comfort. He's gone and changed things. He's invited Levi to follow him. What on earth is he playing at? So disciples can sometimes wonder that. Oh, maybe, maybe I don't fit in now. To start with, it, feel, it felt great. But Jesus wants to be with this bigger group. And it's made up of all sorts. I feel uncomfortable with that. And so rather than, uh, but rather than kind of asking that question, well, do I fit in or do they fit in? We could be thinking, wow, look at this odd bunch that God is fitting me in with. 
Me and Levi wouldn't naturally get on. I didn't even like him. But I believe now that God has a purpose in him and me, in us together, being here and part of God's kingdom. You might think, well, what, what purpose could God have for Levi? You know, he said to the fishermen, you've been fishing for fish, but now I'm going to make you fishers of men. You've been fleecing people, and now I'm going to, what? what? What's going to follow that? What skills have you developed thus far that are going to be useful in the kingdom of God? How, how is God going to redeem Levi? Well, Levi's name is also Matthew. And Matthew happened to write the Gospel of Matthew, which in the Bible goes just before Mark. You can think, perhaps that tax collector who was very good at keeping a very good record of how much you owed, uh, how much you gave last week, and uh, come on, you're down. You need, to, uh, you need to raise your game. I need more. That tax collector then became actually very good at detailing and recording what Jesus was doing and what happened next, how the story unfolded and how that linked in with Old Testament scripture. And so he wrote it all down for our benefit. We could just be thinking, no, God's got no hope for him. He can make cup of tea. No, I'm not even sure he can do that. I don't think we'd have him on the hospital. I don't think we'd have him on welcome. I don't think we'd have him on hospitality. I don't think we'd have him on steward. He's just, his past life suggests he's not trustworthy. We're going to have to keep a careful watch on this guy. Could have been how the disciples were thinking. But how much more is it exciting to see God in Jesus knitting together a very bizarre group of people who he's called to follow him. Now it might take a little bit of time for the disciples uh, to get used to. They were perhaps just getting settled in this group as it was, and then things change. And then they've got a kind of this extra effort to reach out and get to know someone who is from a different side of the tracks, um, losing whatever they felt they had as a smaller group. Now it's a time for, for new friendships. There's new growth. There's new opportunities. And perhaps that is very much the same for us as well the challenge comes out to us are we living in this grace are we demonstrating it are we enjoying the evidence of God's grace amongst us as it is now are we believing for more evidence of God's grace amongst us in times to come when maybe even a Sunday meeting or a core group or something else we do as a church is totally unrecognizable from what it is now goodness me we've got to handle change and the fact that I kind of got used to things as they were in my core group or in my congregation, and now we've just been told that rather than have two congregations, we're moving into three, and that's the first of, of, of February, and my friendship group is going to change a little bit, um, and uh, it's, it can be seen as a cost. Oh, no, this is going to be more effort. I, I was just used to things as they were, and now I'm, I, I'm, I'm having to encounter this, this change and its extra efforts. Oh, I'm losing what we had. Are we... Are we losing something or are we gaining something? Are we losing comfort or are we gaining opportunity? Opportunity for new relationships, new friendships, new growth, and new evidence of seeing what God is doing amongst us. Jesus is perfectly at liberty to say, come follow me to anyone he chooses. And then he knits them in. And he, just as he's knitted us in, 
uh, if you've been here for some time. So the grace of God brings people together, not just people who are the same as one another, who might be very different. Thirdly, the grace of God turns religious expectations inside out. This meal, this dinner in Jesus' honor, doesn't just puzzle the disciples, it offends the Pharisees. When the teachers of the law, in verse 16, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? See, Pharisees are these experts in the law. They've got every reason to be confident before God. If we want just uh, one example of that, Jesus teaches a parable and uh, of the Pharisee and the tax collector. He kind of explains the dynamic like this in, in Luke and chapter 18. In verse 9, we read this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, or adulterers, or even like this tax collector. See who tax collectors get lumped in with. They're in the category of robbers, evildoers, adulterers, oh, and even tax collectors. Wow, as bad as that. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. So here is a guy who, as Jesus tells that parable, is confident of his own righteousness, of his own standing before God, and had a profound tendency, therefore, uh, to look down on other people. So we get this group of experts in the law, the religious elite, totally puzzled as well by what was happening here. You see, they would have been looking forward to God's kingdom. And when God's kingdom came, when, when a Messiah came, and there was a heavenly uh, banquet, they would be thinking, we'll get the seats of honor. We'll, we'll be kind of ushered right in. And uh, we'll be at the very center of what God is doing in this new kingdom and in this glorious new age for the people of God. We are the ones who are closest to God. So if there was a big feast, they'd expect, well, obviously God will be there right in the midst of it. Us Pharisees, we are closest to God, so we'll then be right in the mix. Just a bit behind us will be the ordinary believers. Um, maybe fishermen might make it into that category. Um, and then on the outside, with no hope of getting in, and just looking in from the outside, will be the evildoers, and the tax collectors and sinners, they're on the outside looking in. That would be their expectation of ultimately what God is going to do in the whole of history, when the kingdom of God comes. And Jesus turns those expectations inside out completely. We see Jesus at the center. Who is closest to Jesus? I would suggest it is the tax collectors and sinners. Why is that? Well, when the Pharisees have this question, why is he doing this? There's no way these Pharisees are going in. There's no way they would go and mix with the, with the riffraff. This just being in the presence of, of tax collectors and sinners and people who associate 
with non-Jewish people and raise money for them, even to associate with them, runs the risk of us getting contaminated. If we just brush past each other, I am ceremonially unclean, a Pharisee would be thinking. So I'm not going in there. But they can see what Jesus is doing, and he's been teaching about the kingdom of God. They've been listening, um, and and so they're totally puzzled by what's going on. So they're on the outside, so they can't speak to Jesus, because to speak to Jesus would be to go into that party. So they're kind of on, on the outside looking in. Who do they speak to, therefore? The disciples. So you've got Jesus, sinners and tax collectors, the disciples... Following Jesus, maybe just a little bit wary and unsure, but kind of in there just about. And you've got the Pharisees on the outside uh, looking in. And they're totally confused. They think that Jesus' actions need an explanation or maybe need an apology. And Jesus does explain. He's kind of saying, it's not just okay for me to do this. It's, it's not just permissible. I can get away with it. I've, I've earned my spiritual brownie points so I can go along to that party and I think at the end of the evening it, it won't have contaminated me too much. I'll be all right. No, Jesus wasn't saying that. Jesus was saying, it's my mission to be here. It's not just okay for me to um, be at Levi's house. It's not just okay. This sums up what I am about and why I came. I came for people who are not confident in their own righteousness I came for people who know they need help. And that's the explanation that Jesus gave. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's, it's the sick. Think about it, Levi, it wasn't just, yeah, it wasn't a case of Levi trying to take the disciples away from Jesus. Come and spend time with me at my party. It's Levi saying, I've, I'm following Jesus. I want all my mates to know about it. So come to my house because Jesus is there. It was that kind of party. Um, and that's where Jesus wanted to be. He explained why he came. You'd expect to find a doctor spending time with people who know they are sick. I'm not, I can't quite understand it, but something's not quite right. I've got a pain here. Something's going wrong here. Right, okay. So there's a good reason then to go and speak to a doctor, because someone realizes it's not, everything isn't working out right here. I need to get help. Here's a man, Levi, who knew that he needed help. So he received Jesus' uh, invitation. So that you would expect to find the Savior seeking out and spending time with people who know something's not right. I'm not right. My life, my thoughts, my attitudes, is. Something's got to change. I don't know what to do about it, but I'm going to come to Jesus because I've heard something about his grace uh, and he's not going to beat me with a stick. There's actually an invitation here. God, come and help. I need you right now. Jesus, you'd expect to see Jesus immediately uh, responding to that um, with love and grace. You see, the problem for the Pharisees is that they have forgotten that they need the grace of God. So Jesus is not saying there are some people who are sick and there are some people who are healthy. He's not saying, there are some people who are sinners, and there are some people who are righteous by their own effort. Jesus is saying, no, there are some people who are sick and know it, and there are some people who are sick and don't know it. And I've come to help those who've realized, I'm sick, 
I need help. I need a righteousness that I can't get, I can't achieve uh, myself. The Pharisees have forgotten that they need grace. Uh, and they have forgotten that God has always been full of mercy. Perhaps what the Pharisees could do in reading through Old Testament scripture is look at the stories of where God just sovereignly from his compassion chose someone and said, I'm going to work with you. You're messed up, but I can use you, Moses. Or you're messed up, but I can use you, Levi. Uh, you're messed up, but I've got plans and purposes. They could see that in history. But they couldn't see it in the present. They could look back and say, well, maybe in their own lives, uh, we've experienced something of the grace of God. Um, but, but they've forgotten about it. And so have just become self-righteous. So the only people not in the party, the only people who miss out, is this group who decide they won't go in. They could, but they won't. They have forgotten the grace of God. So then the question for us is not only have we received the grace of God personally, not just are we living in the grace of God, are we demonstrating the grace of God? Is there evidence of it amongst us as a people? But are we forgetting the grace of God? Are we seeing the grace of God as something that only exists in the past or that only exists for the kind of current crop of believers? If that is the case, you'd expect to find, like the Pharisees, uh, a, a joylessness you'd expect to find that forgiveness doesn't flow easily grudges get fostered superior thinking can kind of creep in it can make me think I'm better than I am it can make me think of others as worse than they are it can create suspicions it can isolate people cut people out of friendship don't have anything to do with her don't have anything to do with him now, Jesus is not condoning sin. He's not kind of saying, the kingdom of God has come. So it's okay, just in a hippie-ish way, to say everything's fine. There's no need to worry. No, Jesus didn't condone sin, but he reached out to everyone. And so, but the Pharisees would always just err on the side of only not condoning sin, condemning sin, and therefore, well being graceless to others, waiting for faultless perfection in people before acknowledging God might be interested in them whatsoever. But of course, for some, faultless, well, for all of us, achieving faultless perfection, achieving a kind of certain level of cleanness in God's sight, it's just impossible. Nevertheless, God reaches out. That's what those Pharisees were not seeing or were not prepared to see. They heard what Jesus was teaching themselves, but to them it just caused offence. Hopefully as we see and hear um, the teaching and the life of Jesus, it's going to draw from us, not that Pharisee response, but a, a response of wonder and awe that we're seeing afresh. The grace of God saves us sinners. The grace of God brings people together, brings unlikely people together. And the grace of God turns those religious expectations inside out. Do we have any expectations that need turning inside out um, as a church or personally? Who we're prepared to spend time with, what we're prepared to accommodate in the life of 
a church. We're seeing a kingdom of God announced, good news, an invitation to absolutely everyone to be lived out by disciples. Maybe like those disciples, there are just things to, to get used to. But it's not just a case of, oh, we'll, we'll just try and get along. It's not just kind of trying to put up with a negative arrangement. Oh, if only things were better. It's actually, no, this is where it's at. This is the grace of God. God is joining us together. And we are thrilled to be a part of his kingdom, seeing the grace of God have its effect in all manner of situations and uh, all manner of people's lives. Let's pray together, shall we, before we come and worship God together.